Blog Talk Radio. listeners in the U.S. and around the world. I'm Jackie Laura Jones here with you again for True Forgiveness Teachings, and I have our good friend with us today, co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, Dr. Bob Rosenthal is my guest, and he just recently released his new book, second book in a series that he's doing, and it's called From Loving One to One Love transforming relationships through a course in miracles and let me tell you what i haven't gotten through all of yet but everything that i've gotten through has just been amazing and anyone tuning in for the first time we often have first time listeners uh tuning in i think there's probably 15 or 16 countries show up so i wanted to just welcome you and let you know this is a podcast about the spiritual thought system of course in miracles we are globally connected right now of course with what's going on with the coronavirus and so i bob and i'll talk about that i'll get his thoughts on that and then we'll talk a little bit about what i think is a wonderful topic that he addresses in his book which is guilt and shame, the the shame <laughs> and how we can heal that. So we'll talk about that. Welcome, Dr. Bob. I'm so excited to have you here on the broadcast again. Welcome. Thank you so much, Jackie. It's it's always a joy and a delight. And, um, you know, we, we always have some sense of what we're going to talk about in a broad way, but uh, it's fun to see where where spirit guides us and leads us, uh, and I'm sure it will be exactly right. <laughs> that is so well said, and uh, it's interesting because I, I do, you know, I, I make a plan, just a tentative plan for my, <laughs> my podcast, or anything, and then it absolutely goes where it goes, and you're right, it can't be any better than that to just, you know, go where it goes, and the work you've done is so vast in your books, and it, you could just talk about a million things. So, again, I try to just yeah. whittle it down, you know, to to a couple things. But because the course thought system is holographic, as we know, you know, um, it kind of all runs together, and one concept can filter very nicely into another. So I, I wanted to oh, thank yeah. you again for being here. And I, I just wanted to get your thoughts, you know, um, you're, you've been a psychiatrist for, for many years. I, I'm a therapist and I've been getting a lot of uh, questions about the coronavirus. I have a large course in miracles centered practice, although not everybody by any means knows the thought system of a course in miracles. But for this podcast, I'm wondering if you can just, you know, within the context of the course, share, share some, thoughts of how we can look at this right in the mind level yeah i mean it it's certainly you know we're 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 talking here uh on what april 17th uh, in the middle of this pandemic um and it certainly is filling up all the bandwidth uh seemingly on the entire planet you can't turn on the tv or pick up uh your your smartphone without running into something about it but I right. think as as Course in Miracles students, it, 
we can come at it in a way that is different from many people out in the world, but that is also at the same time exactly the same as we would approach anything else. You know, the course reminds us over and over that there's only one problem, and that's the separation <laughs> from God. Everything right. else is just derivative from that, uh, and that there are only really two, we'll call it emotions, but they're not really emotions. There are only two thought systems that we can use to process what we're uh, seeing and feeling and thinking, and those are love and fear, and those are our choices. So when we're looking at something like COVID-19 and this pandemic, it's the beauty of it is is that it's such an obvious stimulus for fear. Um, yeah, beautiful. You know, I, 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 yeah, um, you know, to the extent that we think of ourselves as a physical body, and I think it's fair to say that the vast, vast majority of people on planet Earth do that. Um, right. We worry about the body's survival and we worry about the body's comfort. And so when you hear about a disease that can kill you in a matter of days um, and in some cases even less, you know, you hear about someone who was fine and then they didn't feel well and then they go in the hospital and then they're not breathing and they're in the ICU and oops, they're gone. Um, it brings front and center that survival fear of, oh, my God, my body is in trouble, it's frail, what can I do to protect it? And the other side of that is, you know, A Course in Miracles tells us that the ego, all it knows is attack. It, it, it attacks, it, you know, ranges from suspiciousness to viciousness, and it <laughs> right. perceives attack coming at it everywhere as well. So, the uh, again, the beauty, uh, and I use that word metaf uh, figuratively, the beauty of the pandemic is it's right. everybody can now be seen as attacking us. I mean, they don't even have to do anything. You know, if they're standing closer than six feet, if they've held a package that's coming to you, your ego mind can go, oh, my God, they could contaminate me. I could die. So we are in a sense, you know, propelled into this mindset where, wow, everyone's a potential enemy and everyone is your potential murderer and you are the same for them. So you'll notice when you go out, people kind of move away from you. Um, <laughs> and it's just a beautiful picture of the ego in action. And we haven't, as course students, we have a, a different response we can make, which is, no, we may not we may be prudent and we'll do the social distancing, but we don't have to do it fearfully. And we can look on all of our brothers and sisters and still see love, um, see the oneness and realize that we can choose love over fear. And, and in fact, you know, here we are in this virtually connected world where, I mean, I've done a ton of, uh, of webinars and conferences online that focused on this. I had um, a virtual Passover Seder on Zoom uh, oh that connected gosh. me with people all around the country who I didn't even Good know. You. Uh, oh, you my know, God. There's a, yeah, <clears throat> there's a oneness and a connection that we wouldn't have achieved uh, or even thought to go after otherwise. So this is... It, you know, the, the silver lining, if you will, where the light shines through. So I, I see COVID-19 as another opportunity to choose love over fear. 
but it surfaces the fear in a way that we have not been exposed to before. Oh, that's a beautiful way to say it. Fear is the ego's game, you know, and so I did an article recently, Bob, for Miracles UK, Miracles Magazine, and there I was trying to walk it back for people, too, that your point about we're doing the normal thing, social distancing and everything, but we don't have to do it fearfully with fear in the mind. So, listeners, like, what do we mean by that, you know? The Course is teaching us that that sickness is of the mind. Sickness is synonymous with our separation, lack of love, our seeming separation from our creator. And then that sickness gets projected out in a ton of forms. And one of those forms is a virus, right? Mm. And so instead of being fearful, we're going through everything as we would normally do watching this projection. But if we have the Holy Spirit's thought system in our mind, remembering that we are dreaming this, meaning this is coming from us, fr- from the mind, not being coming towards us, as you so well pointed out about we're always feeling attacked. We're attacking others mm-hmm. and they're attacking us. The virus is attacking us and we're, well, it's impossible to perceive attack unless we've chosen the, a teacher of attack first in the mind, right? And so I'm always thinking about walking this back to, you know what? Like you said, Bob, we we recognize there is one problem and one solution. The problem being our belief in separation and the healing, the atonement being, wait, we haven't separated. This is at the level of the mind. And your point is so well about it doesn't mean we don't do the social distancing and It's not about behavior. We do all the normal things we would to help not spread fear and make the fear worse, right? So I just wanted to point that out that we we know as course students that we know where the sickness really is, right? Yeah, and, I mean, this gets into the generalized um, uh, applicability of A Course in Miracles to everything in this physical world, this world of perception, this world of form. What do I mean by that? All things are lessons God would have me learn, workbook lesson 193 Mm. tells us. In other Mm -hmm. words, whatever is coming up in your life, whether it's happening to you, whether you're reading about it uh, on on the internet, whether, um, you know, wherever it is, it's become part of your um, world and therefore it offers you a choice between love and fear i think where the pandemic is is just as i was saying this this master class in in that lesson is because it surfaces the fear and it has the potential to unite us all i mean i other than being in physical bodies and um, and the climate crisis, which is affecting the whole planet, but in a way that people don't seem to be able to embrace or grapple, this virus, you know, everybody's dealing with it or everybody will be dealing with it. The entire um, collective of humankind is all in the same boat and it doesn't i mean at at the level of your physical body it doesn't matter whether you live here or in new guinea or new zealand it doesn't matter whether you have 50 billion dollars or you're down to your last you know 5 dollars 
as far as the virus is concerned, we are all equal. Um, But as far as love is concerned, we are also all equal. So it's just a great, um, a great lesson. But I did want to say one other thing before we, um, before spirit takes us on other directions. I have heard um, some uh, in the course community talk about, well, wait a minute, you know, I'm not a body, I'm free. Sickness is a defense against the truth. Uh, Why should we socially distance? Why should we wear masks? And here's what I would say about that. Anything and everything within the world of form is not of God. Uh, And the temptation to take the course and use its teachings to reinforce a certain degree of specialness. Because if you say, well, I don't have to do it, everyone else is doing it, but I don't have to, I'm a course student, you're really embracing specialness in the guise of holiness. And this is, you know, yeah. this is the ego is a very sly, cunning little thing. Um, I don't have to do it. I'm going to be above it. It's it's a little bit like uh, what the uh, Song of Prayer calls, you know, forgiving to destroy. Uh, I'm going to forgive you, you miserable out. So we have to be real careful um, not to make ourselves special in any way and realize that the change is not at the level of I'm not wearing a mask because I don't need to, but the change is at the level of, of your mind. How do you see it? How do you interpret it when you're walking around? You know, can we still, well, you can't smile under the mask, but you can say a friendly hello. Um, you know, you can nod your head. Uh, there are a lot of things we can do. And even those, if we're just feeling and embodying love and peace, I know that that makes a difference. We are, we are seeding that S E E D, you know, we're holding a place of peace when so many people are fearful. Oh my gosh, that was so beautifully said, and you're right. It's a question that comes up all the time, and it's an important point to address, and I'm so glad you did that so beautifully. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, Mm. it it comes to mind, Bob, you know, something that was released uh, from the Foundation of A Course in Miracles. They released one of Ken Wapnick's articles from a while back that pertains today, uh, strengthening the mind's immune system. <laughs> mm. And I thought this, that was, that's such an interesting thing to do um, is think about it in, in that way too, you know? And like you said, and I love what you said about specialness. We don't want to go down one of the ego's tricky roads of, you know, being special. And so we're resisting, putting yes, on a mask exactly. or doing something in the world. We, that what people, it's what it's interesting to understand is that's making it real on the other side. That's making the illusion real and your resistance to doing what exactly. would be a normal thing to do. So I don't have to say anything else. You said it like beautifully um, on that, on that point, you know, um, speaking of, you know, I love your, um, Speaking of looking at things, you know, and he- healing the mind, your your book is it has so many gems in it, you guys. I want you to know um, it's available on on Amazon, and I'm going to put a link um, in the description of this Thank episode. You. But it's just wonderful, and I, you know, your chapter six, I think it's healing shame, escaping from the ego. Mm. Um, 
shame is something that is like you say we all we can think of guilt and, and things like that but um, shame is something that is with all of us I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that and then um, we'll go from sure. there I have so many questions to ask you but we can just that's a good starting point it's something that's going to help everybody my client I had uh, yesterday was just talking about shame and I thought oh how perfect because oh, how I'm going to be discussing that with Dr. Bob tomorrow yeah. so I'll let you talk a little so, bit about that <clears throat> yeah so um, two things uh, in terms of background for whatever reason the uh, my my main mentors in my psychiatry training were very, very much pioneers in the study of shame and taking it down to deep, deep levels that we don't need to get into um, here and that outside the profession most people wouldn't be interested in anyway. But I marvel at how well the Holy Spirit equips us with what we'll need down the line without us even realizing it. Because even though I, you know, I've been a student of A Course in Miracles for over 44 years now, um, and I'm yeah. only 47, so no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> even though I've been with the Course a long, long time, it was, uh, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago that I realized that A Course in Miracles talks all about guilt, but shame isn't mentioned. And because of my background, I happen to know why that is, because Helen and Bill came out of the psychoanalytic culture of, uh, you know, New York in the 1960s and early 70s. And in that world, psychoanalysis, it just didn't recognize shame. It was all about guilt. There were thousands of papers on guilt. And by the time I hit my psychiatry residency in, uh, you know, the early 80s, I think there were like six papers on shame. So it just wouldn't wow. have been in Helen's mind, and therefore Jesus, in dictating the course to her, he could only come through what she knew. So, it, you know, the course, in a sense, when it talks about guilt, it's talking about guilt and shame simultaneously. What's the difference? You know, we think of them and we think, well, they're pretty similar. Guilt is about something that we did that we feel bad about. Shame is about something we are that we feel bad about. Shame is about the exposure of something in our sense of self that we don't want others to see because we feel bad about it. Guilt is about what we did. Now, here's the beautiful thing. The separation create, you know, gave rise to both of these because guilt, <laughs> absolutely, we, we left God. I mean, you know, you can't do anything worse than that worse in our minds. That. Right. Of course, we didn't really leave God, but, you know, we, we believed we did. And the mind of the sun is a very powerful thing. So for us, it became real. Um, but at the same time, we experienced shame because, oh, my gosh, you know, we were everything. We were God's son uh, creating in his image and likeness, as the Course would say, in his thought, extending love. And all of a sudden, we're this separate entity um, that then fractures and splits more and more and more and more and more until we get down to this place where, you know, we're 7 billion humans and counting, plus every other life form on the planet, plus life on perhaps other planets. So the, the um, diminishment of the, the self from the capital S self that the Course talks about 
to this little self, this self-concept that we are, necessarily is shameful. The ego always feels shame, and the ego is always trying to offload that shame by projecting it onto others and um, various other mechanisms. So in that chapter, um, actually I think a couple of chapters, I just review the nature of shame and some of the ways that we as egos try to deal with it none of which are ultimately successful they can't be because it's 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 intrinsic to our self-concept if we see ourselves as limited then shame is there you know one of the workbook lessons let me not see myself as limited um you know uh it's right there it's right there um so shame in that sense is is part and parcel of of the ego self uh and Okay, one other thing. The cure for shame, as I was taught, is to expose that which is shameful in a safe setting. Because once it's exposed, I mean, you know, the nature of shame is hiding. We don't want to be seen for our inadequacies. Um, You know, we want to hide them and cover it over. We want to look bigger than we are. And yet, to the extent that we're defending against it, we keep it alive. You know, it's still... It's still there within us. And this is why A Course in Miracles tells us so much. Bring your darkness to the light. Bring what you have kept hidden to the Holy Spirit because he can free you from it. Well, that's all about shame. Uh, And so when we are willing to bring it to the light and bring it to the Holy Spirit or bring it to those um, brothers and sisters who who we know are, are, are safe, then suddenly it's like, Oh, is that all it is? I mean, I'm sure, Jackie, you've had the experience that I've had as a psychotherapist where someone tells you they have a secret that they absolutely can't share. They've never shared it with anyone. It's just it's crushing them and you work with them and, you know, help them see that you're going to be completely safe. You're not going to judge them for it. And then they share it. And it's something you've heard a dozen times uh, that, you know, a therapist is just very common and you help them see, yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, well, you know, um, you help them put it in a different perspective, uh, a reframe, as I would call it in the book, and suddenly this huge burden is lifted from them. They feel so much better. And I actually do give a detailed example of that um, in, 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 uh, from Loving One to One Love. Yes, and I loved that example. I'm going to let the readers get your book and, and see that. I think you yeah. did so, so many personal examples, Bob, from your experiences as a therapist, and you're exactly right. And we're always in sync, you and I, when we do these shows, because we are. I, I wanted to bring that up, what you just said, because not only is Jesus saying, you know, he's saying we're all the therapist and the (laughs) client were all the therapist and the patient meaning I'm going to talk about some things here with Bob you guys from the therapist perspective but this is also translates and how we can look at everybody and Bob does a great job of talking about one a client's experience and being with them where they are and reframing his shameful experience what he's perceiving as shameful Um, from where he is. And so I wanted to touch on a couple things. And you're right, Bob, um, in my work as a a therapist, 
people will confide things that they just they feel so shameful about. And once yeah. they get it out, they feel so much better. And your point in the book about non-judgment, our job as therapists, and this translates to our just our job as people, as spouses, as friends, what the course yes. would say is we're not looking with judgment on them. My clients, I know they're not separate than me. I know I'm playing the role of this here, but in my mind, I know who and where they really are. And what you point out in your book, which is so profound, is that's the relationship. That's the joining. It's not what maybe they they do, what you say, the, the specific thing, what the effect is, which is helpful. The healing is not seeing them as separate in the mind and then letting that miracle, that that perception, that, that shift in perception play out. So for client A, maybe you're suggesting this from your training or client B, you're reframing this and you're doing this. Mm. But the healing is on the larger level of the mind and then it plays out. You use your training, I use my training, you know, however the Holy Spirit, however it comes through. And you give a great example of reframing on the level of form and then you go to the ultimate (laughs) reframe which I just love I mean you could do some podcasts on this you know but what I wanted to say is you 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 I'm going to quote you um you say we apply countless frames of reference countless reframes one upon the other like trying to reframe on the level of form which is helpful to make us feel better, we're reframing a shameful situation and trying to look at it differently. But you say we apply countless frames of reference, countless reframes, one upon another, in a futile attempt to make sense of our lives, our relationships, and the world. All are based on the past. And so they all must be flawed because they exclude what God knows us to be. So the Holy Spirit sees only truth. He doesn't see the past because the Course is teaching that's over. We're watching a projection. So you tie all this in beautifully. It doesn't mean we don't work with people, like, on the level of form where they are. But our job as therapists is that in the mind we do not perceive them as separate. And we know that the ultimate reframe is that the Holy Spirit sees only truth. He doesn't see the past. And um absent from the past the present moment is set free you say this is what the course calls the holy instant i love it mm. i love this chapter thank you thank you yeah yeah i mean i guess one way to think about it um would be that anytime we're experiencing shame or in part two of this book, I'm looking at grievances and how to forgive and move past a grievance. Anytime Beautiful. you feel a grievance, we're making a judgment based on a very limited uh, set of information, you know, uh, and right. we're making that judgment based on our own past experience. So where the reframe comes in is, let's say something happens to you or you do something when you're 12 years old, and, and at that age, your, your, your information set is very limited. You don't know that much. What you know probably comes from your parents, your siblings, 
and you make a really bad decision. And maybe you do something that you feel guilty about and shameful about. But mm-hmm. then, you know, 10 years later, 20 years later, where your world has widened, you've met other people, you've seen um, things that you feel good about, it becomes possible to go back and look at what happened in the past from a much broader perspective. Um, and that is the reframe. Aha, I thought that this was about... Um, that I just didn't like that kid, but actually that kid reminded me of myself, which I didn't see, and I didn't want to, you know, let those feelings in. So the reframe is, in a way, enlarging the um, the, the 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 realm of of how we're seeing something, in order to get past it and um, and be more loving to ourselves. But the ultimate reframe, as as you brought up, Jackie, and, and as I talk about in the book is the Holy Spirit's because no matter what happens within this world of form, this world of illusion, it's all equally untrue. Um, the past, you know, the Course tells us the past is over. It can touch me not. Um, for the present is forgiveness. So to the extent that we can use the Holy Spirit as kind of a, a way of taking the darkness, the past, our, our, our judgments based in the past and releasing them and going, I don't know what anything means, um, then we free ourselves and we also free other people. And, and of course, when we were talking earlier about the therapy, someone shares something shameful and exposes it and feels better, what's healing there is not just the fact that they exposed it because you know what they could go talk to a mirror and state it out loud and it wouldn't feel nearly as important it's the relationship and to be in a relationship devoted to healing and and nothing else where both people are showing up with that intention and then bringing forth that darkness in that setting that is healing because mm, the, the shameful thing poof, it evaporates, and what's left are two people who are now joined in healing and love, uh, you know, knowing that, that that's why they were there in the first place. So that's the psychotherapeutic relationship, but uh, as you said, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure I quoted uh, that line from the psychotherapy manual, yeah, it says everyone is both patient, oh no, it isn't from the psychotherapy manual, but everyone is both patient and therapist in every relationship in which he enters. Um, yes. You know, we all play both roles necessarily. So in uh, one of the last chapters in the book, uh, titled Applied Forgiveness, where I'm giving a lot of things that I've found helpful, just different little tricks for um, forgiving, one of them I call the psychotherapist perspective, which is, Imagine that you entered every relationship with your only goal being to heal and to provide a healing framework where healing can take place. And, and you know, it. the Course tells us, when I am healed, I am not healed alone, Lesson 137. When you're doing this for someone else, you're also doing it for you, because yes. at the level of the Holy Spirit, there is no someone else. It's, we're all one, and so we're all waking up together. Did that come out I, clear? Because I, I, I think it's an oh, important point. <laughs> very clear. You, you're very clear, which is why Good. I'm Thank sitting you. here and letting you talk, except when I <laughs> temporarily want to interject with my excitement uh, about your book. Oh. But yeah, interject, it's interject. Very 
<laughs> these our listeners, I love them so much. They get to hear me all the time. I like them to hear my guests. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, no, this is you. You just have such a good way, you know, of saying it. And I, I do like to talk with you with Bruce Rawls. Bruce and I talk a lot. A good mutual friend of ours. Oh. I think that we all we we share the the same message. It's just that. I find that someone could say something a certain way. Bruce could say it. You could say it. I could say it. And something clicks with people. And they go, oh, I've been hearing that yeah. for so long, but I finally get it the way Dr. Bob said it. You know what I mean? So I think that, it's it's nice to have these conversations and bring all of us in that our intention is 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 to wake up. And part of my journey here, you know, without distance is mm. – sharing this message. I'm not forced to do it. I don't think I have to do it. I'm not overly important. It's nothing like that. I just have, I just follow the guidance that I just like to share it. And I love to have you and and Bruce and everybody, you know, of course, my, my brother-in-law and sister and Ken and people who Judy, I mean, I, Tam, I know it can go on and on, but I mean, I like the, 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 the group sharing and the the differences in the way people will um, express or share the same message, but it could be said or an experience that you share is in a in a slightly different way, and then people go, oh my gosh, I just got it, I just yeah. got this on a deeper level, <laughs> right? And that's why you know one person will speak and some what you know. One particular person will will um, just light up with it and get a concept, but not understand it from someone else, and someone else will get it from someone else. And you know, we're all in it together. And uh, right. you know, we're we're all given. I mean, once once you set that intention, um, I, I think that you know you're you're on the path, and you're going to get what <laughs> you know what you need. Uh, there, exactly. There's just no doubt about that. Um, exactly. You know, I, I mean, I love the line. Uh, I think it's from the end of the the epilogue at the very end of the uh, clarification of terms. So the very mm-hmm. last thing, um, and I just pulled it up. You know, forget not. Once this journey is begun, the end is certain. Doubt along the way will come and go and go to come again. Yet is the ending sure. No one can fail to do what God appointed him to do. So you oh. know. If you're Beautiful. listening to this, you're on that journey. Um, and yes. the ending is sure, but we can only take in what we're ready to take in at a given time. You know, I just answered a student from a, a, a question from a, a student who was asking, what can I do to hasten enlightenment? And why can't I seem to get there basically faster? And I said, I think the problem is that you're trying to do it faster and you're trying to hasten it. And that's your plan, <laughs> not the Holy Spirit's. You don't know what the right pace is. You don't know what your own lessons are. And we we need to move back into what might look like a place of humbleness, but it's really a place of innocence. It's that little child within us that leads us that says, I really don't know what's in my own best interests. You know, again, the course lesson, I do not perceive my own best interests. I do not know what anything (laughs) is for. Once we're in that place, now we're receptive. Now we can be open to what comes and, um, and, and see the lessons. Oh, 
Absolutely. It's so those are just beautiful nuggets that you put in there, uh, one after the other. And I, I do get that question a lot um, in my practice. How can I speed this up? How can I? Right. <laughs> yes. My, and I keep. <laughs> it's one of the most you know, common ones. Isn't it? It's 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 common because people want to go, and I, adding to, I say what you you just shared, and then I also say usually something along the lines of, well, remember, if you're trying to speed this up and you're anxious about it, that's a trick of the ego. That's making it just as right. well. <laughs> that's that's And what is doing it faster? Well, faster is a function of time. So now you're making time real and you're keeping right. yourself a prisoner of time. I need it faster. Right. I mean, whatever path the Holy Spirit picks for you will be the fastest path. I mean, when I was um, doing full-time psychiatry and psychotherapy, I had a lot of uh, people I worked with who had serious, severe childhood abuse, and they would want to just, isn't there some way I can just, you know, remember it and get through it? And I'd say, the slower we go, the faster we get there, because the desire to just, like, close your eyes and grit your teeth and be enlightened or get through it, that's the ego. It doesn't want to do the work. It wants to do a spiritual bypass. Um, we got to do the work, but we also have mm-hmm. to remember that the ending is guaranteed. Uh, it's a happy ending. Uh, we're already there. A happy outcome to all things is sure. <laughs> I am so glad you read that from the, the clarification of terms, Bob, because Isn't that, that beautiful? is so comforting to me and it's a great reminder it is beautiful i hadn't read it in a little while um and it's such a great reminder i think as we progress with the course um you start to recognize that which which sounds like heresy to the ego i realize (laughs) um but you start to recognize that you're glad that God is the only reality and that he doesn't know of the madness that we made. And you start to be glad, oh, my gosh, the end is is certain. And end doesn't seem fearful, as I hear some of my clients express back to me, and rightfully so. Sometimes it brings up a little fear about the end or not getting things done yeah. or something like that. And I say, you know, um, w- with our progression of the course and as the Holy Spirit takes over your mind, it, it becomes a comforting thought <laughs> that that we are yeah. really home dreaming of exile. And it is, it is a dream, yes. and I don't think it can be overstated enough. Um, I think one of the balance is, and you can comment on this too, I know you get it just as much and for a longer time than I have that you've been practicing uh, both both the course and in practice, private practice, is, you know, um, this is not about, the thought system is about the mind. It's not about a denial that we're seemingly right. having these experiences. So I was trying to bring that point home, too. We do have occasionally people that will be tuning in for the first time. It's a global podcast that goes out, and lots of other platforms have picked it up, you know. Mm. So I, sometimes I just insert um reminders that the course is about it's a thought system about changing your mind it's it's teaching us that the world is in the mind there's nothing outside of you and so we always want to go back to source when we can which you talk about so much too um 
And yeah. sometimes we don't start out that way. This this is one of the steps of forgiveness is we start where we are. We forgive what's seemingly outside of us, people, yes. viruses, financial woes. That's where we start. Yes. But we then we you walk You can only back. start where you are. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps and start somewhere else. And, and right. that's where there needs to be um, a sense of compassion and graciousness toward ourselves in allowing this to unfold. I, I think people tend to overlook the course's introduction. This course does not aim to teach the meaning of love, um, which is your natural inheritance. You know, um, it, it, it aims to remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. There you go. I was paraphrasing. Um, no, it's it's great. about yeah. removing the blocks. Um, the love is there, but you can't get to the love if you're blocked from it um, by uh, – specific grievances about different people, grievances about circumstances, shame and guilt that you're holding on to, and at the very deepest level, the act of perception itself, seeing a world that seems to be outside of us and independent of us, uh, and we are the effect of that world. We are we are its victim, basically. Right. Um, so, so, you know, um, if you're not doing you got to do the work of removing the blocks, um, but you also, I think, I think it's, it's sort of a bottom-up, top-down process simultaneously. <laughs> what makes that work go faster is that when you bring a block up for release, you also experience that sense of peace, that sense of love that is, you know, your natural inheritance. And yes. um, you were saying earlier, Jackie, about people being afraid about the end, you know, and what is the end? Well, when we identify with our physical bodies, we necessarily think of the end as death. Um, you know, when the movie, the end, there is no more movie. It's over. Uh, you know, we, 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 we can't ever recapture it. Um, yeah. So in the ego mind, there is this hard stop period at the end of the sentence, the end. Uh, at which point you're dead, you can't do anything. But what the Course is really actively putting us in touch with is an experience of self that doesn't, it not only doesn't it end, it doesn't compute. The very idea of an end has no meaning in eternity. Right. Um, and right. so what, what we see as the end uh, of, of our you know little life uh, is actually just the remembrance and the reopening onto what is, was, always will be, um, and never experienced any change whatsoever in any way. But we don't know that. We have to be led to it gently because if it's too fast, it feels scary. We are attached to our individual identities. Um, if they're if they're removed too fast, it, it just doesn't feel good. Think of it, you know, it's the old Band-Aid thing. Uh, do you pull it off real fast? Do you pull it off slowly? We don't actually know. The Holy Spirit knows perfectly how to pull that Band-Aid off so that there's minimal pain and maximal learning and love. Oh, absolutely. So well <laughs> said. And it's, you know, I think an important point, which Jesus is, goes over and over again in the Course, and is that as we choose, indeed this is what the workbook lessons are intending to do, as, as we choose 
the Holy Spirit's thought system more and more as we're willing, just having the willingness to look at our upsets, grievances differently, that strengthens that thought system and that part of the mind. Um, And you say, so it's almost like the Holy Spirit's doing the heavy lifting, like, (laughs) you know, and I'm going to quote you again here. You say, by choosing to accept the Holy Spirit's interpretation of events, that is, the Holy Spirit's ultimate reframe in which we never left God and therefore never sinned, we begin to solve our problems at their source. As a result, we heal not only our own personal selves, but the entire separated sonship as well. So the Holy Spirit is healing us on a couple levels there, you know, meaning not that the holy that the the world that's projected outside of us is true. It's just that the way we heal the world is changing our mind about it. We're not putting projections on it. Therefore, the course says, as we were alluding to earlier, the world will end. It just disappears because it was just a projection of your mind, like yeah. your dream last night in bed. Where is it? Well. It's gone. Why? Um, because you made it up. <laughs> Where did it go? Just back into the nothingness of your dreaming mind, <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. so all of our time is spent in dreaming here. But I, I try to encourage people because it was my own encouragement of, wow, I'm noticing major differences over these years, the Holy Spirit's thought system has strengthened in my mind. So we, I spend less time in the ego thought system. It's not that the ego is eradicated as you're on this path to awakening, but really what I've noticed what changes is how much time is spent in the ego thought system before you change your mind. Right? Well, and, you know, and the Course tells us a miracle is a time-saving device. I mean, you could Love say that. that the whole point of A Course in Miracles is to save us time. Time doesn't exist from the big picture, but from right. our picture, being inside of it, it sure seems to exist. So if a relationship can be healed and forgiven in the space of an instant rather than playing out over five lifetimes or something, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be great? Isn't that something we would all want? I think so. Something we're, I think so. <laughs> well said it's beautifully said right <laughs> Jesus says why postpone your happiness or I'm paraphrasing you know he says why delay happiness rather <laughs> something yeah. like that right <laughs> yeah 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 it's such an ex- such an excellent point you know I mean I I, I feel like um let me you're you're quoting the court the course again um and I'll quote you quoting the Course, the ego seeks to, quote, resolve its problems not at their source, but where they were not made. And thus it seeks to guarantee there will be no solution. The Holy Spirit wants only to make his resolutions complete and perfect, and so he seeks and finds the source of problems where it is, and there undoes it. And with each step in his undoing is the separation more and more undone and union brought closer. I love it that you use that quote because 
people sometimes think that their forgiveness isn't going anywhere. Or they don't see progress or anything. But any time you're choosing to see another way, like Helen and Bill, you're choosing to see with Christ's vision a different interpretation. Yes. Using your upsets for the Holy Spirit, per, excuse me, the Holy Spirit's purpose, which is a, the classroom. Anytime you're doing that, you're making progress because you guys, when you make that choice, you're making that choice for the entire sonship because you're one with it. I'm so glad you made that point because you said earlier that the whole, the course is holographic, and it yeah. really is. I mean, in a hologram, the part is the whole. Um, we don't understand that as separated beings, but it does happen to be true. So we have our own, what seems to be our personal part in the plan of atonement. Um, you know, your special function as the Holy Spirit assigns it to you, which you and only you uniquely can carry out. And yet, in doing that, you are also healing and making possible the healing and the union of the entire fractured sonship because the differences that we perceive between ourselves really are non-existent so I, I kind of sometimes think of this as like a whole field of diamonds that don't know they're diamonds and they're all dark and then one sort of finds a way to flip and now it's light and it's light allows the ones around it to see more light and then they go oh what, look, what, look what that one did I'm going to flip too um, only it's not even that conscious because the Holy Spirit takes your shift, your mind change, um, which opens a portal, if you will, for love, light, spirit to come through and takes that to any other place in the one-minded sonship here on, you know, in the world of form uh, and takes it wherever it would be most useful. Uh, you know, mm. we might go, oh, I want Beautiful. my mother-in-law to wake up. Well, you know, she may not be ready to wake up, um, but the Holy Spirit right. can take your um, intention towards peace, your willingness to um, bring to him, you know, what the darkness within you, and use that, you know, maybe there's somebody who's never heard of A Course in Miracles in India, and they're perfectly ready to receive the miracle that you've opened up. I, I, I find it to be one of the more really helpful things that the Course talks about, you know, the transfer value of learning, that when we really get our lessons, they transfer to other people in ways that, you know, we can't understand it. We think in right. terms of cause and effect and bodies and, and, you know, action A causes action B causes action C. And, but that's not how it works in, in, in the Holy Spirit's reality. Um, and, and, and as you do this work more and more, as you were saying, Jackie, you experience the results. If, if you didn't experience the results, A Course in Miracles would be an insane thought system that nobody should ever do because it's totally <laughs> topsy-turvy. The problem right. <laughs> with that is that when you put it into practice, as crazy as it might seem, things start going better. Not only are oh, yeah. you more peaceful, but the world around you, people around you, things just start start working better if you're applying it. Right, right. Well said. Oh, my gosh. I, You all have heard Dr. Bob here today. I highly recommend From Loving One to One Love. And, you know, we'll probably have another 
discussion. <laughs> I've been well. When you get to part two of the book, you might want to because I actually think there's even more good stuff in part two than in part one. Oh yay! Okay, good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm going to be looking forward to that. Hey, we have a few, just a couple remaining minutes, Bob, and I wanted you to make sure. any announcements that you want because I know that you and Tam and Judy participates. Um, are doing wonderful webinars for people yep. through the Foundation for Inner Peace. Can you can you share where where to find that yeah. for everybody out there? So um, when Ken Wapnick was alive, Ken's um, Foundation for A Course in Miracles took on um, you know call it the teaching role, and the Foundation right. for Inner Peace took on the we're publishing, we're translating, we're distributing the books. And that um, division of labor worked very, very well. After mm -hmm. Ken um, left his body uh, mm -hmm. and I joined the foundation and asked Tam to join me in the foundation, we were very clear, and Judy as well, that the, call it the teaching function, although we like to think of it as the discuss function, uh, yeah. <laughs> because that's what the voice of Jesus told Helen was the, the purpose, the mission of the Foundation for Inner Peace was to publish, distribute, and discuss A Course in Miracles, not teach, discuss. Discussing mm -hmm. involves two, pe two or more people. We are having a discussion right now. Um, yeah. you know? So the discuss function came back to the Foundation. And the way that we are starting to carry that out, and we've been doing this for a year now, is by doing um, webinars, we're uh, doing two a month. Uh, once a month is uh, my webinar, and I'm picking topics. I've had a, a long run where I've been um, using holidays uh, like the Jewish Day of Atonement, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Christmas, New Year's, Valentine's Day, Groundhog Day, and the most recent one, Passover and Easter, where I'm using holidays to do deep dives into not just the meaning of the holiday, but the, the truth that A Course in Miracles brings to us seen through the lens of that holiday. Also, oh, a lot a of idea. questions and answers on course topics. Um, Judy has done some lovely webinars. She did one with Jerry Jampolsky. Um, you know, she has, she has the sense of, of how this is played out and the, 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 Felt living experience of special relationships becoming holy relationships that she is very much wanting to share. So we are doing these twice a month. Um, anyone is welcome. Uh, the older ones are usually posted to our YouTube page uh, within about a month's time because we edit those. If you sign up for the webinar, even if you're not able to attend, you will get a copy of the web, uh, a recording of the webinar, but it will be a, a rougher cut. You know, it won't be the, the fully edited um, version. But these, we've gotten just some wonderful feedback on these. We usually have um, any, around 1,000, 1,500 people signing up. Um, not that many attend because you know, they're from all around the world, and if you're living in Germany, you may not want to tune in at 2 in the morning. Um, right. But this is something we feel very um, inspired to do, and we will certainly keep uh, doing it. Um, we're also looking at the possibility of doing some online ongoing classes. Uh, I would, those would, I, I think, be smaller uh, on different course topics.
But this is something that the Foundation for Inner Peace has definitely embraced uh, as part of you know what we're hoping to do. We're also doing our, you know, our regular. Uh, I mean, we finally, in the last, well, six months, eight months, we have been looking for a translator uh, to translate the course into Persian, Farsi, and into Arabic, two languages that we just haven't had and that we would love to see the message of A Course in Miracles go out to. Over the decades, people have stepped up and volunteered, and they just haven't worked out. Um, we don't pick the volu- we don't pick our translators. The Holy Spirit does, and He brings them to us. Well, yeah. you know, in the last six eight months, we have gotten the most phenomenal two beings: um, a wonderful man in France who is translating the course into Persian, Farsi for Iranians, and um, a wonderful man uh, who is translating it into Arabic. They're both living embodiments of love and light. They both have linguistic skills. um, And so we proceed with that as well. Um, If uh, that speaks to you, uh, please, you know, please donate because all of these things cost money and we are just so excited about it. But, um, you know, a translation can take five, six, seven years. So you mm-hmm. know, you don't ask someone to do that on a volunteer basis, and and, and right. especially people with the skill sets that these people have. So very exciting, and you know, we have That's lots of other wonderful. projects that we're doing as well as you know, continuing to sell the books and the translations and make them available for free um, as scholarship copies to those who can't afford them, who write to us. So. Uh, very busy and we're finally really expanding into the world of social media which you know when the foundation was run by judy bob and wit they were i mean they were great for people in their 80s trying to grapple with the world of social media and the internet but let's face it it helps to be younger i'm not even in that world you know, I, but we I have, have to... people joining us now who are in that yes. world and are very excited about bringing the course's message to a much younger group of people um, who you, who you... don't have any ways of encountering it otherwise. It's so wonderful. I was I'm so glad to to hear that, and I've been watching you guys and everything you're doing. It's great. I want to give people your Thank website you. before we have to go. It's hcim.org. ACIM.org. Bob, I just wanted to thank you so much, and I know we'll have you back, and um, I'm going to put a link to your book. I want to thank you so much for just your generosity of time, and all of our listeners out there, we love you. Remember, when we heal one, we heal all. So we'll talk to you all soon. Love and light. Thank Thanks you so all. much. <laughs> we'll you. talk to you. Blessings, everyone. Blessings.